0: Hello, howdy. This is Spur of the Moment from Lasso Digital. On this episode of Spur of the Moment, I sat down with Jim Garcia, CEO and founder of Tapia Community Health Center. We chatted about Jim's career and efforts around leading the development of the organization. Jim also shared some of the insights he has into the importance of community buy-in and support in the success of any nonprofit.
1: I am the founder of Tepiak Community Health Center, founder and CEO, and we were an organization that was founded approximately... 30 years ago uh, was when we the community first came together to conceive of the idea of creating a, a health clinic. It was uh, in response to a, a critical need in the community where community members were were just feeling like they didn't have any good options for health care, uh, especially those in the immigrant community. And so Tepiac kind of spun up organically uh, and just uh, very much a grassroots effort where we took a—we uh, had a— 110-year-old uh, North Denver home that we uh, renovated it was a it was about 700 750 square foot home uh so we started very uh, very very small and with very uh, a very humble beginning
0: Beautiful yeah I know that your organization has a really unique background, so I'd love to hear more about the creation of Tepiak and the Community Health Center and what kind of inspired you to get the ball rolling on this project.
1: Yeah, I was a relatively new uh, member of the, it was a, there was a, in North Denver, there's a, uh, a Catholic church by the name of Our Lady of Guadalupe, and it was uh, kind of the hub of activity for the Latino community at the time. I was a member of the parish council, uh, and the first meeting I attended, the pastor came in and said, you know, one of the most, there's several pressing issues that, the, that this community is dealing with, not just the church community, but the, the broader community. And one of the most pressing issues was access to affordable culturally responsive health care and mental health care and dental care he said we have a, a lot of people coming by the church office almost every day either directly or indirectly asking for support and help with their their medical needs or their mental health or their dental health and uh, we just don't have much to offer and so he, he said the, the the church does own this little rundown house uh, next door and uh he said his vision was, wouldn't it be great if we could renovate the house and turn it into a clinic where people could get their, their basic health care and mental health care needs met? At the time, I did know a lot of people in that were involved in, in health care and, and the human service field, so I uh, brought together a, a a planning group and said, you know, what would be involved in getting this uh, health clinic off the ground. And so that's kind of the, the genesis of, of where we started, just, uh, you know, people from the community coming together. And that was where we first started.
0: I love that. Yeah, it sounds so impactful and like a great reminder to people that like, even if you don't really feel like you have the credentials to do something, you can be like a community builder and find the people that maybe Uh, have the knowledge that you might not have and kind of get things started that way. As you kind of mentioned, the Latino community was really instrumental in the creation of this clinic, and you're an important Latino leader in Denver. Uh, What Latino influencers in Colorado serve as role models for you, like you serve for many others?
1: Whether there's so many so you know very early on you know Ken Salazar was uh, was involved his wife Hope Salazar they're members of the of that of the church community at the time uh Ken Salazar who's now ambassador to Mexico but people like that they, you know there's people you know f- Federico Pena, our former mayor and mm-hmm. former secretary of transportation, was also inv- uh, involved very early on. I just met earlier today with a, a good friend, Mario Carrera, who is the uh, uh, the, the CEO of, of Claro, which is a Latino policy and research uh, center for, for, for the Latino community. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's uh, people like that I think that have been inspirations for me. And then, but I think for me too, it's just uh, uh, it's exciting to see this next generation of, of Latino uh, leadership coming through mm-hmm. the ranks. You know, through uh, that are part of the, uh, the Colorado legislature or the Denver City Council. There's just a, it's really exciting to see the just the next generation of, of Latino leadership taking shape. And uh, really uh, on the cusp of, of doing really great work and having a major impact on on the Latino community and, and the entire community as a whole, I would say.
0: I mean, you mention a lot of folks in politics, and that kind of leads me to what I kind of want to talk about more is your career. Uh, You've had kind of an interesting career touching many different areas, and you did have a background in politics before creating the center. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about an overview of your career and what you did before founding the center and what really drew you into this field.
1: Sure. Uh, you know, my first uh, job out of college was uh, uh, as a middle school teacher. I, I taught uh, language arts and social studies, and it, it was a small uh, inner city uh, Catholic school that I, where I taught. And I, you know, coached the basketball, baseball teams, wore many different hats. But also, you know, I think at the time started to see some of the inequities that were there. You know, the, the families that, that uh, whose kids went to the school were dealing with a, a, a great deal of challenges just across the board. And so I think that started to get me thinking about some of those issues of, of, around equity and whether it be around education or healthcare or just, you know, economically, what what are some of the, these barriers that, that this uh, community is, has has been facing historically? And so at the time that we started pl- uh, talking about uh, starting up a, a health clinic, I was actually working for the, the U.S. Senator, uh, his name was Tim Wirth, it was in that position that I was able to, one of the issues that I focused on in, in the senator's office was around health care policy. And so I started to learn a bit more about uh, at, at that very high level of, of policy you know, in terms of what what were some of the issues that the, community, the Latino community and other uh, communities were, were experiencing in terms of issues around health equity. So to have this be in that position, and then to actually have a very have an opportunity to have an impact at a very concrete level, you know, being able to actually open up a a health clinic that serves the uh, community that you know has really been disenfranchised for a long period of time, and so the timing worked well, I think, in terms of bringing the two together.
0: (laughs) I'd also like to mention that, like, obviously, we keep a good like read on younger folks that are donors and kind of look at trends like that. And health equity is a major, major priority for folks uh, in like Gen Z and millennial generations. So it seems like kind of an exciting time to be in the healthcare space. I'm kind of curious about what you kind of think is on the horizon for Tepiak and kind of what you're excited about coming up in the future.
1: Yeah, I would say that one... Uh, An area that we talk about a lot, in terms of as far as our leadership is concerned, is we talk about the social determinants of health and the fact that although we have, we're very proud of what we offer at Tepiak in terms of a really incredible integration of of care, in terms of uh, medical, uh, behavioral health, dental. We'll be opening a pharmacy as part of our, our our new health center that we'll be opening up later on this summer. But that that full integration of services and that's not necessarily unique to to Tepeyac we, you know there is an incredible network of community health centers across Colorado that are also offering this this integration of of services you know but i think in terms of the uh, what's on the horizon i think is you know, really paying close attention to those social determinants of health you know that mm-hmm you know, what affects uh, an individual or a family that can't be addressed in the exam room at a clinic, you know, that, you know, things like access to fresh food, access to affordable housing, how important those issues are, you know, access to uh, safe places to exercise and play, just how incredibly important those issues are in terms of addressing the entire spectrum of health issues and, and approaching it from a very holistic perspective
0: i'm so glad you mentioned that yeah we have a client the dolores project that really really emphasizes the importance of kind of recognizing the connections between all of these different social issues so like mental health and housing and like being part of different groups i think that is really important so i'm glad you mentioned that just for my own knowledge, are you guys going to be neighbors with the Dolores Project? I was looking at your new building, and it looked very, very familiar. <laughs> yeah, we're,
1: we're uh, very. Uh, we have a connection with the Dolores Project. They're oh. a, a great organization. I haven't talked specifically, about, you know, I, uh, in terms of what that collaboration will, will look mm-hmm. like. Um, but I think the reason why Tepiak is successful is because we uh, we have so many great partners and collaborations that we mm-hmm. really focus on. You know, because we know that we can't do it by ourselves. And so to the extent that we can we can uh, collaborate with our, our community partners, uh, we do that as much as we possibly can.
0: I love to hear that. Yeah, I think that kind of leads me into my next question. I mean, the center is extremely unique and just how community-driven it is, I'd love to hear more about how the community was instrumental in its formation and how that kind of carries through to today in your values and how you guys run the organization. Sure. So it was probably about, I want to say about six, seven
1: years ago, we had already, even prior to that, had been, our board had been talking about a major expansion. We knew that our, our location in the Denver's glowville neighborhood at 50th and Lincoln uh, even though we had done an expansion several years ago, we knew that that was just going to get us by for the over the relatively short term. That we knew that we needed to look at a major expansion that would meet the growing need that we were seeing at our at our previous facility and just knowing that we wanted to significantly expand our dental and operation and our and our mental health offerings we, we were very limited by the by the space that we had again uh, t- talking about the community partnerships we were uh, approached by the urban land conservancy about 5 years ago when we were you know when our board was in the process of doing some extensive strategic planning and they approached us. They said, you know, we have uh, acquired this six acre parcel of land in the Illyria neighborhood, you know, just north of downtown Denver. And, you know, we, uh, we had done a series of uh, community f- uh, focus groups and the issues that, that were coming up uh, consistently were access to uh, better access to affordable quality health care, access to af- uh, affordable housing and access to fresh food. The area that we're, we're in uh, currently is a, is a food desert. And so that was an issue that was really important to the community and, and uh, had, has been an issue for a very long time. And so uh, that was a, an opportunity uh, for us to partner with uh, the Urban Land Conservancy. They asked Tepiak if we'd be the ground-level partner to be part of this much larger project of, that was going to have affordable housing and fresh food market. The term they used was an anchor organization, Would, would we, be, we consider being the anchor organization for this mm-hmm. project.
0: And I'm kind of curious about what it's been like as the CEO of this organization. It sounds like you guys have done kind of a, a million different things in the, those 11 years that you've been CEO. I'd kind of love to hear a little bit more of an overview of what you guys have accomplished in that time.
1: You know, it's just been a time of, of tremendous organizational growth, which has been very exciting for me, mm-hmm. you know, being having been involved uh, when we started very, very small with a, our first year operating budget was a, uh, I think about $30,000. And we had mm-hmm. one part-time staff person to where we are mm-hmm. today, where we're uh, right at about 70 uh, full-time employees and an operating yeah. budget approaching $9 million uh, and a, a new uh, state-of-the-art Uh, clinical facility. So, you know, to see that level of growth over this period of time has been been really exciting.
0: I know that kind of a big part of that growth has been your federally qualified status. I know that was a big effort for years to win that. I'm curious as to what allowed your organization to finally gain that status and how you think that recognition has kind of changed the trajectory of your organization.
1: Yeah, that was becoming a federally qualified health center or (FQHC). It was a really a, a monumental decision, I think, that our board took very seriously at the time. And we had it was I would say it was probably about ten years ago that we we just, our board decided that that was the path we wanted to go because we we knew that the the benefits of becoming a, a federally qualified health center and, and being able to receive federal funding, but we also wanted to make sure that uh, it, by going that route and receiving federal funding that it wasn't going to impact our ability to serve the community that we historically had had been serving in terms of our mission to serve uh, individuals who have very few or no options for healthcare because of their documentation status. And so you know, wanted to make sure that that we were able to continue to fulfill our mission even more so by becoming a, a federally qualified health center, and and that indeed proved to be the case that we were able to definitely expand our our capacity and and fulfill our mission. You know, there's always challenges when you're uh, when you're receiving uh, government funding, whether it be federal funding or state or local funding, uh, but in balance, I think it's been a, a major benefit to the organization and and to the community that we serve.
0: I think kind of in that same vein it's, somewhat unique to have such a successful grassroots nonprofit. Like As you said, your, your starting budget was probably like 30000 and now you guys are dealing with millions. And I think the center seems to have grown in remarkable ways over the year with that status and many other different factors. I'd love to hear more about why you think that is and how other nonprofit leaders can achieve that same success with an organization that is so community-driven.
1: Yeah, I think it really comes down to being uh, responsive to the community. I mean, I think Colorado has the highest number of nonprofit organizations in the country. If, if not one of the most, uh, one of the organiza- or, uh, states that has the most nonprofit organizations. You know, so I think there's a lot of people out there with great ideas and, you know, that have great missions. You know, I, I think ultimately though, it's, it's going to be those organizations that are really. Uh, responding to a, a community need where there's uh, not a, a duplication of efforts, because that, you know you want to make sure that whatever services and programs you're offering, you're, you're not uh, duplicating efforts. So I think you know just being more than anything, making sure that you're responding to a, a, a community need and that the you know that the that the community is is involved in in the leadership when one thing that we're uh, very proud of is that we have community involvement in our in the governance of the organization as a federally qualified health center we're required actually to have the majority uh, consumer board members patients who are part of governing our organization and so mm-hmm. you know i think that's incredibly important as an organization to make sure that you're staying focused on on what your community, what your consumers, or what, in our case, what our patients are are wanting and needing in terms of their healthcare, mental health, dental health. So yeah, that would be my advice for any organization that's out there or that's looking to incorporate as, as a 501c3 is to make sure that you, you have that level of community buy-in.
0: Beautiful. Do you have any other final thoughts before we wrap up today?
1: Yeah, I just realized I had I mentioned our our dental program, which we're extremely excited about. We're you know in our previous location, we had one small dental operatory. In our new building, we have a dental suite with six operatories. That you know is just greatly expanding our capacity to meet the oral health needs of our community and. As you probably know, that you know, oral health is is incredibly important to a person's overall physical health, and so the fact that we're able to uh, expand our our oral health dental health, dental programming so significantly is is incredibly important and fulfilling as far as I'm concerned. You know and. Our dental team is doing an incredible job, not only of offering dental services, but also going out into the community, into the schools, especially the elementary schools and doing some uh, quite a bit of preventive oral health programming for, for the community. And so that is something that, that I'm extremely proud of, the fact that we're going to be able to significantly expand our oral health services.
0: Spur of the Moment is produced by Lasso Digital, a marketing and fundraising agency with the goal of helping nonprofits raise more funds, spread their vision, and achieve their mission. Our show is directed by Anika Pelkey, edited by Katie Janner, and our music is by Sean Hess. To find more episodes of Spur of the Moment or to find out more about Lasso, check out our website, lassodigital.co. Mm-hmm.